You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. All right, it's good to see all of you. Uh, This is going to be our second to the last week on our Authentic series. I was going to end this week, but I split it into two. It's just I, I didn't want to do what I did last week was was a first. So if you happen to miss uh, last Sunday, what I did was I split my sermon in half. So the first service on Sunday uh, heard the first half of it. The second service, the 11 o'clock service, heard the second half of it. Um, and the Thursday night group last week heard most of the first half of it. So um, you have to listen to both of them. They're both online, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service last week. So if you want to catch those. It actually is a, it was very, uh, a little more teachy than normal and a lot of stuff about maturing believers that I, I don't want you guys to miss. So when you have time, uh, some uh, who has time, but when you have time, uh, try to listen to those or catch the other one. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about uh, an authentic believer is victorious, getting victory uh, over uh, this world and all that it throws at you. And so I'm very excited about this. Have you ever tried to uh, sit on a three-legged stool with one of the legs missing? Um, John is going to give us some good tests in uh, this passage about what exactly is an authentic uh, believer. And um, to be a true Christian, a true believer... And this is what this whole series has been about. You're not a Christian just because you come to church every week and sit in the pews. Eating more than you're an automobile because you sleep in your garage. Uh, It doesn't do that. We don't just check off a list and try to do all the right things. um, But we have to uh, believe who Jesus is and and come to terms with some of these things that we're going to talk about today. And... uh, Actually, all through this series, John, in his letter to the church, to us, uh, has been talking about what is a genuine believer? What does a mature believer look like? What does a 100% authentic believer look like? Because I told you guys at the beginning of the series, and it's still the same, one of the scariest things for me as a pastor, and I'm commanded in the Bible not to be anxious for anything, so I'm not anxious about it. Uh, I'm commanded not to fear. Quite a few times we're commanded not to fear So I'm not afraid of it, but I have a deep concern, all right? I have a deep concern about this issue, is that somebody, maybe nobody, but maybe somebody sits in these chairs here at Westside week after week after week thinking that they're saved because they're doing the right things, and they're not. And so that's why we've taken time out to really go through this uh, book of 1 John and uh, really... Um, give the hard truths that he dishes out. John is the loving apostle, the one that Jesus loved, the one that put his, his head on Jesus' shoulder when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And he goes, is it me? You know, and he was probably only 16, 17 years old then. And he goes, is it me? And he writes in there that he's the disciple that Jesus loved. And, and uh, here it is uh, near the end of the first century. And he's speaking to my dear little children. He, he, he's a father in the church. And, and uh, he has this view of, you know, that he loves this, you know, like a hen gathering her little chicks. And, and he just has this love for the church. But yet he gives some really hard truth. And so that's what we're going to go through again today. 
Uh, but he's starting to sum it up. We're getting near the end here. First John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Lord, open our eyes and ears today. I pray that we might hear from you. you. You said in your word that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. I pray that your Holy Spirit, O oh God, would illumine uh, this, this portion of Scripture, uh, that we might learn more and hear from you and go home changed. Thank you, God. Amen. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. How many? Everyone. I love that. The invitation is broad. It's wide. Whosoever will may come, the Bible says. Uh, And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross, not by water only, uh, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, all three agree. Now, if you have a King James Bible or a New King James Bible, that verse is going to read a little bit differently. And the reason is most of the newer translations, I don't want to lose you on this, but most of the newer translations go back to some of the more ancient uh, Greek manuscripts. And so a lot of the King James Bible was translated out of the Latin Vulgate, which is the New Testament was written in the first century, by and large, in Greek. That was the trade language of the world in those days, just like English is the trade language of the world today. All airline pilots have to speak English and, and so on. And so Greek, it was written in Greek. And so after a few hundred years, when uh, Rome declared that everybody had to become a Christian, kneel or we cut your head off, that's not exactly what Jesus did. But it became um, organized. It became... Uh, uh, mandated and and that wasn't the kingdom and that's when the world was plunged into the dark ages for a thousand years by the way uh, because this whole light this Christianity that was growing and flourishing became uh, um, institutionalized and uh, so it it was it wasn't very good as far as fruit goes Uh, but the so when when Rome became the center instead of Israel in Jerusalem uh, they wrote everything in Latin and so all those Greek texts were translated into Latin. And so a lot of our uh, scriptures, like King James, New King James, are very, very good, uh, but they're translated. And so this verse, there was a little bit of controversy there. This verse in the King James and New King James says, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are the witnesses. And so the actual, the older transcripts, uh, translated in the first couple hundred years uh, after Christ, they say, no, there's three witnesses, and I'll talk about those in just a minute that declare who Jesus is. So that is all I'm going to do on that for those of you that were already starting to get bored, all right? Some of you go, keep going, keep going like this, but uh, just study that a little bit more if you'd like. Um, Verse 9, since we believe human testimony, 
Surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. That couldn't be any more clear there. And John's giving us truth. He's giving us a whole bunch of truth. And so John had a relationship with the early church. We have a relationship. And of course, John was inspired by the Holy Spirit writing this. Uh, But there's this great thing about truth. Um, Just a little side thing. Just when you want to give somebody some truth, maybe you have a friend. And you want to tell them something. And you know it's for their own good. And you know it's going to help them. But you also know that they're not really very likely to want to hear it. Have you ever had somebody tell you something that you didn't want to hear, but when you just take a couple of deep breaths, you go, all right, thank you for being a friend and showing me my blind spots and you know, telling me the truth. Like King Solomon said in Proverbs, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so um, what it is, is every human being has a bridge of relationship with those around them. You have this bridge. It's a relationship. The longer you know each other, the more you've gone through each other. Guys who fight in, 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 the, uh, in the army or, or in a battle, they, they have this stuff that they've gone through. Their bridge of relationship is strong. Husband and wife, Terry and I have been married almost 42 years. And so uh, we have a strong relationship. I don't have a, a stronger relationship with any other human being than my wife, Terry. So we have a strong bridge. So if she wants to tell me truth, that I don't necessarily want to hear, all right? Say she has a thousand pounds of truth she wants to send over this bridge. But our bridge is a 2,000 pound bridge. Our bridge can take it. And our bridge won't break. Our relationship won't be destroyed, all right? Sometimes we make the mistake of telling truth to people around us and our bridge of relationship isn't strong enough to hold it. You might have a 500-pound bridge of relationship, but you want to send 1,000 pounds of truth over that. What's going to happen is, yes, it might be true, but your relationship can't hold it, and you're going to break relationship. All right? So you always want to be wise when handing out truth or, or uh, encouraging little tidbits of people around you. Don't be the person who's always sending out truth everywhere and you say but it's true like this yeah but you've destroyed every relationship around you nobody wants to be around you all right so that's wisdom there so john who has great relationship with us uh is sending us some hard truth in this passage so he gives us three tests to determine uh if we are authentic believers in this passage and so we're going to go through those and and the reason he did this is because At the end of the first century, already there were people arising, false prophets. We've talked a little bit about that. People who uh, were claiming that Jesus was actually not God. 
uh, that he was a man. And when he was baptized, the spirit of, of the Christ, the Messiah, came on him. Then he lived in this world. And then just before he died, because God couldn't die, uh, this, that spirit of Christ left him. And so the body died. And, you know, or, or some people were saying that Jesus was just a ghost. He was just an apparition. Uh, you just thought you saw him and things like that. Um, and so all these uh, heresies were starting to be spread already. That's what the devil's plan is, is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so all these heresies were being spread about. But John, who lived into the end of the first century, he was an old guy now, he was writing, and he wanted to set the record straight. And you know why he could set the record straight? Because almost everybody who had seen Jesus or heard Jesus had died out. In fact, most of the people who came, who were the first believers, they had gone. They had died out. And so John was saying, listen, I was there. I saw him. I touched him. I heard his words. And his, and his words changed my life. And so he says, listen to me. This is a big deal. Um, and you must believe these things. So uh, he took them back to the basics. Uh, the things that, that were... Um, not stretching anymore. It's like what Pat Riley did with the Lakers in the 80s. He was famous for taking them back to the basics. All right, we're messing up. We're going to learn how to dribble. We're going to learn how to run. We're going to learn how to shoot. Just the basics. And so a lot of times when you get in trouble, people want to try all these new things. Actually go back to what you know. That's always a good plan. And so that's what uh, John was doing here. So he gives us three tests. The first one is believe that Jesus is the Christ. The second one is love God and his children. And the third one is to obey his command. So number one, um, this is the first test to see if you are an authentic, true uh, Christian. And that's to believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is the Messiah. That he is almighty God himself in the flesh so that we could see him and hear him. Because God's spirit, we don't understand God. But, but he stepped out of eternity and became like us so that we could comprehend him, so we could understand him, so we could relate to him. All right? And so to believe, in, in verse 1a, every, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Now that word believe needs to be clarified a bit because the devil believes. The devil believes. And he's not saved. All right? So what does this word believe mean? It means to put one's trust in and confidence in him. It's like the old, um, the old uh, in the old days when they did uh, famous stunts. This, this guy, a tightrope walker, was going across the Niagara Gorge. If you've ever been at Niagara Gorge, seen Niagara Falls, it is unbelievable. It's like there's no surround sound at any movie theater that could come close to this, like this. This uh, tons and tons of water pouring over every second, and the mist is is covering around for for miles, and you have this deep swirling river down below in the Niagara Gorge, and so they they had a, a tightrope across there, and he goes across, and he makes it all the way across, and he goes, "How many of you believe that I could go across with no with no uh, bar like this?" And they go, "We believe like this." So he he uh, walks across and makes it all across. Everybody cheers. Then he takes a wheelbarrow. And they took the, the rubber off the tire, and he, he, does a, he goes, how many of you think I could do a, a, a wheelbarrow? You believe that? And so he goes across, and everybody goes, yay, like this. And then he says this, how many of you believe that I can take a person in that wheelbarrow and go across? We believe, we believe, yeah, like this. And he goes, 
Who's my volunteer? All right. Little boy volunteered. I don't know where his parents were. But the, you know, the story goes that he went across, everybody cheers, you know, famous and all that stuff. So that's the difference in believing. Do you believe? Or do you believe? Would you put your life on the line to everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ? They become a child of God. Have you put your faith in, your trust in, are you convinced of that truth? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? That means, have you trusted him as God's salvation to the world, the uh, the anointed one? You you place your faith in him. You believe that Jesus of Nazareth was God's one and only son, the anointed one. uh, And he was anointed by God's spirit to to raise the, the, the dead, to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind. And, and he himself would be raised from the dead. That's what it means to believe. It's not just like a mental, yeah, 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 I believe. No, it's I put my faith in him. So the, the verbiage in Greek here that John is using is present tense and ongoing. It's not just, yeah, yeah, I believed once 40 years ago. Now I'm a Christian, like this. And that's not it. It is, it's ongoing. My life is characterized by this trust and faith in God. I don't think I'm anything. I think I'm on my way. I haven't arrived. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I walk in humility. I walk in love. I try to live out what he said. Uh, Not so that I will be saved. He already saved me. But as a response and out of gratitude, I want to live this life. This is ongoing faith that he's talking about. Number two, authentic believers love God and other believers. And they also have their lifestyle characterized by the love for one another. So to me, we say, oh, I love God, but I can't stand his church. That's what the world by and large says. If you talk to people, most of them will say, I don't have a problem with Jesus. He was a good guy. They might not believe him as God or as Lord, but they say, yeah, he said some nice things, you know, do unto others, or you'd have them do unto you, and, you know, things like that. He was a nice guy, but I really don't like his church. They're obnoxious, all right? And so this is the part where we need to have a good connect as believers. Westside, I'm very proud that we have a good handle on that, uh, that we do uh, love others, and that we do try to impact our spheres of influence. And I hear reports of it all the time. I'm so, so grateful. So in verse 1b, he says, everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. How could you love Jesus and not love his bride? If somebody said, hey, buddy, I, 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 I'm, I really like you. I just want to be your friend. I can't stand your wife. There's no way. How could you love Jesus and not love his bride? How could you love God and not love his children? So it's not only we love God, but we love his children as well. All right? That's a big deal. And by the way, that's our theme this year is loving God with everything that's within us, with, with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind, and loving others as we love ourselves. That's one commandment in two parts. It, it goes together hand in hand. And so, and it's particularly believers that we love. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. All right? 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Not a fancy building, a cathedral like we have here. Not fancy barn board in your foyer will show the world that you're my disciples or a nice clean and neat campus or a new playground and patio that we're building back there. Not that. Not nice programs. Not even good preaching will show the world that you're my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world, Jesus said, that you're my disciples. I love that. I love that. That's, that really is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Let your light so shine. Our job is just to, to be a reflector, to reflect Jesus to the world. We should take on so much of the image of Christ in us and, and, and say the things He said and do the things He did that we're just actually like a mirror and we're shining Jesus, reflecting Jesus to the world. That's our job. And so I was so happy. I went out in, the, in West Side Kids, the backyard there, and on their board, that's their memory verse, is let your light shine uh, before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The third test, John says, is to obey God. Obey the commands. They're found in, in his word. And uh, these themes, these three things, actually John has been talking about all through. That's why we have a bunch of little scriptures there to say that. Okay, he said this all the way through the, the first book of John. Verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Seriously? You ever go, um, that one's burdensome. <laughs> that one's burdensome. Have you ever said that? He, and John say, no, they're not burdensome. Um, okay, don't steal. All right, that's not burdensome anymore. Maybe it used to be. Uh, but he told us when we become believers, stop stealing. Stop pilfering at work. Uh, you know, those kind of things. How about uh, don't whatever? All right, those aren't so bad. But how about love your enemies? That one's kind of hard, right? Is that a burden? How about younger people, honor your father and mother? How about every people, honor your father and mother? Because the Bible doesn't say honor your father and mother until you're 18. It doesn't say that. And it also doesn't say this, honor your father and mother while they're living. It says, honor your father and mother. Period. So some of the commands may appear to be burdensome, um, and they may be difficult to walk out sometimes, but they're not really. When we want to follow Christ, we want to do the things that he said. We take these things, we own these things. Yes, it may be a little bit difficult, but we want to uh, follow through with them because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, it's a yoke, and yes, it's a burden, but they're easy and they're light is what he says. So a lot of people um, try this approach. They try to you know, earn favor with God by their good deeds. It's called uh, works or it's called legalism or it's called human effort. And I'll tell you what, nothing that you try to do will ever earn favor with God or get you one minute in heaven. It's what Jesus did at the cross that pays your way into his presence. 
And so Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you obey my commands. He said that to his followers. And Saul said, or Samuel, the prophet Samuel said to King Saul, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. So this theme is all through the scripture. A lot of times people try to sacrifice or work or earn favor with God. And that's actually an affront because he gave you this free gift already. All right. So let's apply this uh, before we go home. There's, there's some good stuff in here to apply. Number one, John tells us that only children of God can defeat this world. And that's by holding fast to their faith in, in Jesus as God's son. So I'm reminded of a sort of a picture I believe God gave me a few years ago about this thing. The world we live in is very stormy. Imagine you're out at sea and you're in the water, your boat capsized, you're in the water floating, the waves are churning and you're desperately treading water and finally you see this blinking light and then the wave comes and you can't see it for a minute and then you go crest of a wave, you can see it again. So you start making your way over and you grab onto this buoy. What are you going to do? Hold on loosely or tightly? All right. Sometimes in our life, in our living, we got to grab onto something. Yes, we might be tossed about. Yes, it might be difficult. But that buoy is anchored to the rock. It's anchored to bedrock down below. And you might get tossed around, but you're going to hang on for dear life. And that's how our faith is sometimes. You will overcome this world. Don't let go. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Don't let go. Keep on. Keep it on. Keep on hanging on. Like Winston Churchill says, never, never, ever give up. This is something that, that uh, speaks highly of us. When we don't give up, when the, when, when, when the uh, tough gets going, the going, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. All right? And so that doesn't save us. That means we're not going to quit. We're going to keep on serving Jesus. We're going to keep on. We might get fired because we're a believer. We might not get that promotion because we're a believer. Our, our neighbors might hate us. Our family might, oh, they just, you know, they never said anything before about missing a birthday party. But once you become a Christian and you miss a birthday party, they go, oh, you love the church more than us, like this. They never made a big deal before, but now that you're choosing the kingdom sometimes, yes, you love your family, but I tell my family, listen, if you're going to do a birthday party, don't make it Sunday morning at 9 o'clock because I won't be there. I'll be here. And so we make those choices for the kingdom sometimes. We, we are persecuted. And, and uh, not only that, but there'll be, uh, there's false teachings out there. We're getting bombarded with this and and, you know, Jesus wasn't really God, and he was just a ghost. And, you know, that's, there's other ways to God. There's all kinds of ways to God. You know, there's all these things that were being buffeted around. Uh, false teachings, vain philosophies, assault on the church. It's getting harder and harder to be Christian in America. By the way, I'm so thankful we live in a free country where we can still meet like this. And we have a national day of Thanksgiving. Do you know what some of our founding fathers said? side we're on a like a, a bunny walk what did we call this a bird rock a bird trail yes yeah, rabbit trail so i'm keep looking at terry okay so <clears throat> george washington the first president of the united states said it is impossible 
to govern the world without God and the Bible. Uh, James Madison, fourth president of the United States and primary framer of the U.S. Constitution, said, we have staked the whole future of American civilization according to the Ten Commandments of God. Um, John Quincy Adams, sixth president of the United States and son of the second president, said in 1821, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Um, in, in 1892, the U.S. Supreme Court explicitly acknowledged that the nation was a Christian nation. Now, a nation can't become a Christian. So we can't actually be a Christian nation. But it was founded on Christian principles. It was founded on the principles we find in the Bible. Calvin Coolidge, the 30th president of the United States, affirmed this when he wrote, the foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. And that's what's happening right now is the principles in the Bible are ceasing to be universal in our country. So it's becoming more and more difficult to lead uh, the way that it was set up. Patrick Henry said this. I like that guy. Remember, give me liberty, give me death. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. And Andrew Jackson said, the Bible is the foundation upon which our republic rests. So I thank God. When you're um, gathering together with family and friends on Thursday, thank God for the freedom that we have in this country. Thank God for what he's given us. And uh, that was a little side note. Sorry. I mean, not sorry, but... All right, we're in 1 John. Um, authentic Christians are not going to be lured away by false teachings. We're going to hold on to what we know. We're going to hold on, though we're assaulted on every side. People might ask us questions that we don't know the answer to. I've been asked questions I don't know the answer to. I go try to find it out, and I find a reasonable answer, but then they have a counter answer. And so I'm always searching to give an answer for the hope that lies within me, like Peter says. Uh, but we don't know all the answers. We're not God. That's why it's called faith, all right? Sometimes we hold on to our faith because we know that we know that we know that my Redeemer lives and so we don't quit. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And uh, it doesn't matter what comes out. Uh, the Life Application Bible says this, as strong as these powers may seem, the battle has already been decided and won by those who trust in Jesus Christ. So what kind of battles are you facing right now? What kind of battles are you facing right now? Is it something that's already been mentioned today? Um, maybe it's rejection. Some people battle rejection and they don't know it. I did. I battled rejection for years. And uh, sometimes it tries to rise its ugly head in me. I mean, I didn't know my dad when I was little. He left uh, before uh, I was born. My mom died when I was five. I spent 
several years thinking that my mom was still alive and that she just didn't like us anymore. I went to this foster home. They didn't want us anymore. We go to this foster home. They didn't want us anymore. We go to this foster home. Go to my grandparents. Yeah, like this. They don't want us anymore. Send us to another foster home. Finally come with, you know, there's only so much you can take of that until it starts to get ingrained. Some of us put up a wall because we've been rejected so often uh, by others that we don't want that wall to be penetrated again so we're not going to let anybody through it god can help you tear that wall down what's what's bombarding you is it sin is it something that upsets you so much about yourself that you can't seem to get a hold of maybe it's maybe it's unforgiveness you're holding on to bitterness and resentment you're not walking in freedom. Maybe, maybe it's uh, broken uh, relationships with a sibling or a family member or something, and it's just tearing you apart. Uh, maybe it's an addiction. A lot of people struggle with addictions. Now, some things people say they're addicted to when we actually need. Like I could say, I'm addicted to oxygen. You know, there's some things that we need, but too much of stuff too much of anything too much oxygen is bad for you and and so there's there's things in moderation uh paul says all things are lawful but not all things are profitable and and so uh, we need to be very careful with those things it needs sometimes it's uh, a lack of finances we never seem to get our finances in order we're always not, not only is our nose not above water we're just like one inch below water and maybe it's envy. Maybe we're always jealous. We were always looking at other people and saying, oh, if I had that and this and this, everything would be all right. Maybe it's uh, anger. Maybe it's bad language. Do those plumber words come out too often? Sometimes they're, they're actually legitimate. <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't, don't, uh, never mind. I'll take that one off. I mean, it's not the end of the world when you smash your thumb and something comes out when you're, you know, I call it my army words. But, you know, we have to, is it, are you plagued by it? Is it something that you're trying to get rid of? Is it, is it uh, impatience? Impatience. Oh, I was impatient this morning at the light on Missouri Flat at the bridge. Sunday morning, there's three cars on the road. They're all waiting for the light, and it's just going green. It's like a five-minute green light going the other. There's nobody here today. Can't they invent a little computer that will control these lights? Anyway, so maybe it's greed. Maybe it's hatred. What is it? What is, what is, what's causing you to have to swim for that thing? What's, what's plaguing you? Um, you're not going to win these battles in your own strength. You're not going to win these battles by any kind of thing that the world tries to dream up. You're going to win this battle by having the Spirit of Almighty God residing in you because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. We've got to understand that's what we hold on to. Number two, John says that faith is the victory. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we can achieve this victory through our faith. Now, faith is a big deal. Faith is a foundation of our belief system. In Hebrews 6, 1, 2, and 3, uh, the writer, probably Paul, says that the foundation stones of our walk with God are about six things. Faith toward God is the first one. 
um, repentance from dead works, laying on of hands, baptisms, eternal judgment, uh, resurrection of the dead. Those are things that we should know, but faith is a big deal. Everything we do as believers is by faith. Seriously. We pray by faith. We give our offerings by faith. We ask God to heal people by faith. We came to Christ by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of works. You didn't earn it. It's the gift of God, the Bible says. And so everything we do as believers is by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Faith in God. Jesus is the object of our faith. It's not just faith in faith, power of positive thinking. No, it's faith in God because there's a reasonable assumption and knowledge that he's going to do what he said he would do because we've seen him do it before. And the more we see God move, the greater our faith is. And we step out in faith, the more we're going to trust him. Isn't that awesome? Number three, John says that real life is only found in Jesus. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. That word life, the Greek word, is zoe. You might recognize that. Sometimes... It's a little girl's name, Zoe. And we would say that in English, Zoe. The Greek word has a D in front of it, so it's Zoe. So I don't know if you heard the difference, but it's Zoe instead of Zoe. It's like Zoe. It's like you kind of pause before you say the Z. But what that means is real life, authentic life. Jesus said, I came so that you might have life, Zoe life and that you might have it more abundantly. Has your life been abundantly? Has your life been victorious? Has your life been worth living? That's the kind of life Jesus gave. Not just a ho-hum, I'll hang on until Jesus comes back, praise God. (laughs) It's life. It is Joy, joy in the presence, in his presence, his fullness of joy. God created you. The Bible says he dances over you with singing. He loves you like parents love a little little kid because they haven't grown up enough to tick them off yet. (laughs) He loves you. He knows what you're made of. He wants you to have life. Christianity is not boring. It was never intended to be boring. When we try to make it about works and about doing the right thing all the time and checking everything off the list, it's dead. There's no life there. And Jesus came to give you life. He came to give you freedom. And some people are so desperate for life, real life. The answer is found in Jesus. He's not, when you come to Jesus, he's not going to solve all your problems. In fact, your problems might increase because the devil doesn't want you to run to Jesus, to grab hold of that buoy that's anchored to the rock. And, and 
Jesus is a rock. He's one there. That's not a good illustration, a great illustration. Good illustration, not a great illustration. He wants you to have life. He wants you to run to Him. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you that you're going to be with him forever. He wants you to know that your sins are forgiven. You don't have to carry the guilt anymore of your sins. He wants you to totally surrender your life to him, give your life to him. And, and, And friends, you're going to have an opportunity to share this with family and friends over the holiday season or demonstrate the goodness of God. Maybe you've just become a Christian. Your whole family can't stand you. Use this year to just shine for Jesus. And when they start to ask you what's different about you, you can say it's Jesus. And real life is found in Jesus. And some of you could possibly be sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I've never had that life. I've gone to church my whole life. I've never understood that. I really, really give my life to Jesus. And I mean it. And I'm never going back. And, and some of you, you meant it when you prayed it at some point, but you've forgotten it. Jesus wants you to have life. He wants you to have real life. And if you don't have life, that means you don't have the Son. If you have the Son, you have life. And John just says it real simply. Either you do or you don't. You can make sure. You don't have to leave here today, right where you're seated, right now. There's not some magic formula. There's no, we often call a, a sinner's prayer. There's no real formula in your heart right now. If you say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my very breath, with everything that's within me. I never, ever want to give up. I don't want to go back. I need your help to live my life. And, and, and I want to follow your ways. I want to reflect you in my sphere of influence. I, I realize that I'm a sinner and that you died in my place for my sin. You took the punishment. So now I don't have to take that punishment. I can just receive the free gift that you're offering. And I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to do it from this point on. And I really, really, really mean it. Only you and God know that little exchange. Let's bow our heads. Father, thanks for this word. If what I just said uh, resonated with you, and you really want to give your life to Christ today, Could you just slip up your hand so I could see you? I want to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Anybody, uh, it resonated with you when I said you did it before and you meant it, but you kind of forgot it, and you really want to get back on track today. Would you slip up your hand? Praise God. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that we can have life in you. I thank you that you made a way. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you slipped up to your hand, please uh, come up to the front afterwards. And just, just quietly, we just want to pray with you. That We've got some wonderful people up here that love to sit and pray with you and maybe answer a couple questions. We love you guys. Uh, thank you for being here today.